0: It's okay. Take your time. You have to like each other. What's the deal with that? Uh, <laughs> let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that um, thank you that it's life changing. Thank you that um, it's challenging and full of hope. So I ask that you would just uh, be you, that you would have your way this morning, that you would uh, speak in a powerful way, and um, Lord Jesus, that I wouldn't get in your way, Um, that uh, we would be challenged and we will be changed. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. So this morning, uh, so we're going through the Sermon on the Mount. So I'm going piece by piece. And uh, Jesus is uh, preaching his longest sermon to date, or, or re- not longest recorded sermon. Uh, And so, uh, that's what we're going through, the Sermon on the Mount. So, uh, we've covered Beatitudes and so on. And now we're on Matthew chapter 5. So, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5. And uh, put your finger, verse 31 is where I'm going to start. Or actually, where we're going to, the bulk of our message is. On, and... uh, So let's uh, read that. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except on the grounds of sexual immorality makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery adultery now keep your finger there and flip ahead to Matthew chapter 19 verse 1 now when jesus had finished these sayings he went away from galilee and entered the region of judea beyond the jordan large and large crowds followed him and he healed them and pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause he answered have you not read that he who <clears throat> he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh so they are no longer two but one what therefore God has joined together let not let not man separate okay so uh, we're gonna come back to 19 but I want to start right there uh, in 19 so in order for us to look at this idea of divorce, uh, we need to look at the idea of marriage. So I want to just kind of go through it and just be real honest and we'll just walk through this process, right? The first thing is this, is that um, marriage is something that God created. Uh, and so he established it. And so uh, the the Pharisees, they're coming up to Jesus and they're asking them this him this very bold question, right, uh, because uh, the culture uh, was as such, I mean, so I believe it's Deuteronomy 24 verse 1, uh, so the culture was as such that, that uh, a man could divorce his wife for any reason, so what that meant was that if they got in a, a big argument, right, actually before this, if they got in a big argument, he could say he's just done. Or if she didn't cook a meal right, he could say they're just done, right? And so uh, that was kind of the pattern. And then uh, and then Moses puts out uh, this law. And it says that uh, it kind of changes it in a sense. So, so before this, it was just a, a verbal exchange, right? We're going to do this. But up until this point, uh there wasn't a written certificate of divorce so what i'm trying to say is that so moses uh established something that made it more difficult for someone to separate to divorce right and so in this picture it says give her give her a written certificate of divorce and in that uh people started making up ideas of what they thought was okay for a divorce, right? She looked at me wrong. I saw another woman. She looks good uh, or whatever, right? So, so in the midst of this, uh, the Pharisee is asking Jesus, okay, so, so what, what are the grounds, right? And he was trying to trap Jesus. And Jesus comes back to the very beginning and he comes with this idea that says, I establish this. I establish this. That, that man and woman come together and they become one flesh. And so what God has put together, let no man separate. And so and currently in our culture, uh, it seems like, uh, no, there's no seam. Um, Divorce has become more and more rampant and there's no like weight or value to marriage. Uh, And so so it seems as if, you know, you just put in a piece of paper and, and Jesus is challenging this idea and this notion in the culture that he's in, but also in our culture. And And so when we look at this and we see this, the Pharisees are trying to trap him uh, and and get him to stumble so that they could get him arrested and get rid of him, right? And and he goes all the way back to the beginning in this confrontation, right? And so in this culture, uh, women were very dependent upon men. So, uh, and a lot of times they were uh, considered more like property. And so, so, when a husband and a wife, when a husband s- gave a certificate of divorce to his wife, he's really telling her or pushing her out, leading her into poverty and, and abuse, right? Because she has no covering in her life any longer and no, no way to make ends meet and so on and so forth so, so when we look at this the severity of this and, and just the kind of audacity for men in this culture to say well you know we're done because you didn't cook the food right or you didn't do this right or you didn't do this right or I saw someone else that I liked better was pretty like awful and so we have this culture of, of people justifying uh, this, justifying divorce based off of what they feel or what they think. Are you following me? And so, so we see this happening in this piece of scripture, right? And so the Pharisees coming up and Jesus is saying, this is, this is all done from the beginning. God established it, right? Right? Two people become one. In verse 7, uh, n- just, just a heads up, never argue with Jesus. Uh, verse 7 of, of chapter 19 in Matthew. They said to him, why then did Moses command? Look at that word. Do you see the word that they're using? Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Right? And then the disciples hear the statement and they, the disciples said to him, if such is the case of man with his wife, it is better not to marry. Doesn't that demonstrate the state of their culture? Right? And so we look at this and we look all the way throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Uh, in fact, there is in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, uh, women were... In that area of the world, women were getting divorced from their husbands. It was their own choosing. So it was a different uh, culture and different mentality, right? And again, Jesus reinforces the idea not to get divorced. And so we look at this, and we look at this piece of scripture, and then we look at this idea of marriage. Now, what's interesting about marriage and scripture, right? Uh, Jesus says... That the two become what? One, right? It goes against everything that you learned in math, right? One plus one equals two, right? And so, so when we look at this, it's an interesting idea, mentality, Derek and Christine, since you're sitting in the front row. Uh, and I need a husband and wife. Come on. Okay, stand in the center here and hold hands. Okay, so Scripture says that the two become one flesh, right? So no longer, which is amazing, right? So these two, two very different. Okay, you can let go now. Please. Okay, I know, I know, I know, I know. I, I'll get you there. I'll get you there. He wasn't. He's gonna break her hand, not letting go. Uh, okay, so so what's amazing about Scripture is this idea. That Christine and Derek would get married, right? That they're two very different people, and I know both of them, and they are very different people, and they have different likes, right, and different tastes and stuff, and all this other stuff, different personalities, and here's what's so amazing, is that God takes, can I have your hand, this woman and this man, and he puts them together, even though they're different. And then not only does he do that, but he says that they're one. Right? And so that's just like dumbfounding. So, so these two people can become one person. And so when we look at the idea or the mentality of marriage and how God designed it, Adam and Eve and he put them together as one, he, he made them from each other and then made them together. Right? We see this picture of God. Every time we see marriage, we see this picture of God. Right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're very three, very distinct three persons in one. And so when we look at this idea or this concept of marriage that God has designed, that God made, that God established, right? Adam and Eve were husband and wife walking in the garden together with God. And they were communing with Him and enjoying Him. And so when we look at marriage, we see this picture or this reflection of what God intended to demonstrate Himself. Over and over again through the Old Testament, we see God using His people to... To demonstrate who he is to everybody else around. So that they would see them and go, oh God, you're amazing. Right? But since the fall of man, that has been broken. And we so often don't reflect who God is. And so when we see this picture of marriage, we must see this idea. That God, one, has established it. And we see the idea of how he established it, how he made it, how he designed it. From the very beginning, man and wife, man and woman, he designed it. And anything that's separate from that is flawed because that's not part of what he intended. Right? And so, so God... God made this. He designed it. He put two in one. So as long as we operate within this, we demonstrate who God is. Right? We reflect his glory. Now, not only does that that show in marriage, but also, listen, it shows in this. Look around for a moment. Every time... Every time God describes the church, he describes it as a marriage. Husband and wife. That Jesus is the groom and his people are the bride. Over and over again, we see this idea in Scripture. Jesus is the groom. The church is the bride. In the Old Testament, we saw Israel was the bride. And God is the, the groom. And so we see this picture all the way throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. All the way throughout history. at God describing this intimate relationship. Between his people and himself. And so when we look at this. And when we look at this couple, husband and wife, it's greater than them. When when scripture describes uh, the church's unfaithfulness to God, describes us like an adulteress. God is faithful but his people are far from him his people cheat on him they're unfaithful so as we picture this it demonstrates so much in how God designed us and how God's put us together right? how God's made us. We're two become one to demonstrate how he is one. We're to uh, love and walk and cherish and nurture each other. is like how God loves his church, his bride, you and I. And in the midst of this, He's always and completely faithful. And we often not. Okay, go ahead. Have a seat. Thank you, guys. I'll probably call you up in again. So so this idea or this mentality of, of marriage... is is what God has designed from the beginning for you and I. Uh, That he takes us and makes us one. And it demonstrates who he is. Now, can I uh, walk in relationship with God and still be a reflection of him and be single? Absolutely God calls us to that sometimes, right? But in the midst of this, there's some parameters that we we must honor, right? And so, so when we see this idea of marriage, we still see this idea of a deep relationship with God, that we find our value, we find our hope in him, and as we find the person that God chooses for us, that we um, that we grow closer to God and closer to each other. Now, when we look at marriage, there's there's a couple approaches that I think our culture takes, and and there's one approach that we're to take. The first approach is this casual approach. Uh, I remember one time um, I did a last-minute marriage ceremony for a couple, and it was the worst thing i ever done. So I don't do it ever again. I learned my lesson. Uh, I showed up at this place and uh, hadn't met them before, and I was thinking, well, I know they're not Christian, but uh, maybe building this relationship with them, I could share Jesus with them. It's usually my intent, you know. (laughs) And so it was the last minute. So I come in, and and they're just uh, okay. They're slamming down whiskey right before, (laughs) right before. I'm like, wait, slow down. And they're they're doing this idea of this liquid courage, right? Oh, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get the courage to do this, which was totally wrong. I should have never done it, and I won't do it ever again. But I, I performed this ceremony, and this, this was this casual approach. It's just marriage is just a piece of paper. We're, you know, we're just gonna, we're gonna kind of give it a try. You know, it's it's no big deal. We're we're two consenting adults. I mean, it feels good. It's not hurting anybody. It's no big deal. Uh, and so it's this idea and mentality that, that removes the sacredness of it. And here's, here's what's interesting. You know, this concept of marriage parallels this concept with a relationship with Jesus. Some of us approach Jesus this way. We we are like casual about him. We're like second-handy about him, right? Like, well, I'll take what he says when it comes to this. But when it comes to this, no, 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 no. That's too much. That's way across the line, right? So so when I read that piece of scripture, Matthew chapter 5, Verse 31, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman has committed adultery. So, ah, you know, ah, I'm just going to skip that in the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm just going to preach on oaths, because that's the next part. But the truth is, is that's a casual take on a relationship with God. That I take some of what he says, and it's good and all, but yeah, that's a little too far. Right? Or, or, or even how I grew up, right? So I, I grew up saying that I was Christian because I'm American, Right? And so, I, I mean, I never went to church. Uh, my mouth certainly didn't demonstrate that I love Jesus. My actions certainly didn't, didn't, in fact, I didn't know really who Jesus was. Right? And it reminds me of this time I met this guy named Wilford Brimley. He's an actor. Uh, way back in the day, uh, super legit guy, had a sweet mustache, uh, he's passed away since then. But I got his autograph, right? But I didn't know him. We we just met on a golf course. I wasn't golfing. I was in the Boy Scouts, and we cleaned up something, and so we got to shake his hand and get a signature, right? And so, so yay, it's one and done for me. But sometimes we approach marriage like that. It's kind of casual. It's not a big deal. Uh, And this is how we do it. When we approach marriage in the casual approach, we often make justifications. And here's a a good example. Um, You know, we'll just sleep together. We'll just live together. But, you know, I mean, we want to test out the water, see how it rolls, right? Which is, again, a casual approach to relationship with Jesus and a casual approach to marriage. And when we do that, We say that we're committed. We say that we're going to get married anyways. But when we do it, when we go against what Scripture says, we're running into failure. God doesn't bless that mindset or attitude and it's not just a cultural thing it's a scriptural thing do you know that 80% of people that live together before they get married it ends in divorce 80% and here's here's what we want to say I'm American, so I'm the underdog, right? 80%, 90%, oh, 20% survival rate, right? Woohoo! Right? And so, and so we, we go in it with the main the wrong mentality. We say, well marriage is, is a good thing, and so I I don't want to get married unless I'm super serious about it, unless I'm I know that she's committed and I'm committed. So we're going to live together or we're going to stay at each other's places off and on. We're going to do this and do that. And, and see, this is most of America's mentality. And the reason that most of America has been divorced is because this is most of America's mentality. It's because we're not grabbing hold of what God has intended for us. We're blowing it off like it's Nothing. And the truth is, is that when we live life like that, let me ask you this. When we live life like that, isn't it true that you bring baggage and hurt from it? Isn't it true that in the back of your head, you're thinking, well, is this only about this? Or is this only about this? Oh, they're going to just take off on me. Isn't it true even in the midst of marriage? And you look back and you go, well, we did this, we did this. Well, does he really love me? Does she really love me? Does she really care for me? And so you have all these things that we have just opened the door to because we made a decision that we justified that was against Scripture. And, and honestly, let's be truthful. It was completely against what God intended. And so all of a sudden, all these people are walking around with hurts and pains from their past and they don't know what a real honest authentic relationship looks like cuz we know have no idea what it really looks like i grew up with a single mom and my mama is hardworking great mom she loves me she did all she could for me and she continues to do it continues to love and care for me so in the midst of this we had all kinds of different men in our home and all kinds of different abuse in our home. And those are things that I still carry with me today and I wasn't even married to any of those. And none of them were my dad. And so when we look at this and Jesus says, don't divorce and he says that any man that that uh, is with a married woman or commits adul- is committing adultery, right? What is I'll read it for exactly what it says because I just ruined it completely. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her out commit makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And so the picture is this idea. That my decisions affects another person, and it does, doesn't it? The next way that sometimes we we uh, approach marriage is a contractual approach. It's contractual approach. I mean, that makes sense. But really, uh, uh, you're like, okay, so it's a contractual approach compared to casual? Casual is just kind of, we're going to go into a contract with this. We're going to do this thing. Uh, We're going to, usually a contract is a a generally temporary. And oftentimes, I mean, I've gone into many contracts. Uh, They're, they're, they're for my benefit. I'm fighting for what I want, right? I, I get into this because I want to get what I want out of it, right? I want, I want so-and-so to give me this. I got my rights, and I got my responsibilities, and they got their rights, and they got their responsibilities. And, you know, if things don't work, you know, if something breaks. Yeah. Something breaks, you know, it just won't work out. I'm not happy with it, so I'm out, right? I'm out, I'm not happy with it. So my teenagers on the track team says, I'm I'm a dip, <laughs> which means I'm gonna take off. <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm out, right? You know, and, and I can't tell you how many times I hear this when it comes into relationship, into marriage relationship. I'm I'm not happy. Doesn't God want me to be happy? Right? All of a sudden, we've changed our thinking to a taker instead of a giver. (laughs) Does God want me to be happy? Doesn't he know that I deserve? Man, doesn't he? I'm out. And then the third approach to marriage is a covenantal approach. A covenant is based on a mutual commitment, it's not motivated by my self interest, it's not based on mutual distrust, it's not temporary. If I was going to look at this in Scripture, it would be an unconditional commitment motivated by a sacrificial love for each other. What does that look like? That means that, that I'm in this no matter what. That I don't give up on this. That I, I, I am with it forever. Forever. And we see this in a relationship with Jesus. That even in the midst of his people being unfaithful, he continues to be faithful. Even in the midst of rebellion and push away, he continues to love. Husbands, love your wife like Christ loves the church. Right? Right? What does that mean? How does Christ love the church? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you how Christ loves you. He was beaten, humiliated, and embarrassed. He was completely innocent of all wrongdoing. He was declared innocent, not only by a court of law, but all the people. Husbands, love your wife like Christ loves the church. There is no greater sacrificial love than that example. Wives, submit to your husbands. Bathe them. What does that mean? Does that mean that I'm less than? No. You see that picture of sacrificial love for both of them? That's what it looks like. And here, here's here's the deeper context of that. That's not only just marriage and relationships, but that's a relationship with Jesus. A casual approach. I know who he is, but I don't know him. Contractual approach. I, I know he is, so... So, to get my points up, I'm going to do good things. I'm going to go every once in a while to church. I'm going to give every once in a while to church. I'm going to help this this old lady walk across the street, or I'm going to clean up my language. Covenantal approach. Covenantal approach. I give up everything for him, I live for him wholly. He is mine and I am his forever. I won't back down. I won't give up on him. And even when I feel like I disagree with what he's saying, I surrender to that like a wife surrenders to her husband. Wow a husband that has submitted, a husband that has given everything, a husband that has sacrificed everything. The picture's different, isn't it? So, (laughs) so how do we move forward with this piece of scripture, what do we do with it? How do we move forward with Jesus? What do we do with him? When I look at scripture and I look at marriage, it's a holy thing. It demonstrates who God is. Now, I'm guessing that a good portion of us this morning have experienced either divorce or have experienced uh, relationship trauma that is similar to divorce because we've been in a relationship, we've come together, we've done our thing. So what do we do from that? If you... We approach God is super important. We see this in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed, bless, excuse me. Blessed are the mourn. Those that mourn, for they will be comforted. Here, here's what I know from from Scripture. That has continued to come to my heart is that God can take those moments from the past and He can forgive and heal. He can take what feels dead and hopeless and raise it from the grave. He does it over and over and over again. He is a God of the miraculous, it's His specialty. He's supernatural for a reason. So so then the question is, how do I approach God from decisions that I've made in my past? How do I approach healing? How do I approach hope? This is how you approach him. You tell him you need him. You beg for his forgiveness. You ask him to heal your wounds. And you move forward in that walk. So if you're here this morning and you're in a marriage. And it had a poor start to it. There's some hurtful issues that happen from it. Or in it or before it. Can I ask you. To please. Tell God your heart. Ask him for forgiveness and healing. Beg for hope. And this is what I know he does. He does it. Now if you're here this morning and you're in a relationship that is not honoring God it's not based off of what he says it ought to be and it's not a marriage marriage you you need to you need to cut bait and surrender your heart to god and you need to beg him for forgiveness and ask him to start it all over again. Give you new life. If you (coughs) were maybe here and not, I'm like, I'm done with this relationship stuff. I'm not even, or I'm longing for this relationship stuff. I want what God has for me. Then I would ask, if you're wanting what God has for you, I'd ask you to ask God to give you contentment for where you're at. bring healing to where you're at and that when you find yourself strained from finding your contentment in God that you straighten it up you go God I'm lonely God I need you fill this in me and he can and he will. Maybe you're here and you're like, uh, the relationship thing. I, I think I'm done with that for a while. Continue to pursue God. So let's back up a little bit. So, where are you at in your marriage? Where are you at in your relationships? But more importantly, where are you at with your relationship with God? Do you pursue him as a casual thing? Do you walk in it as if it's a contract? I do this, I get this. Or do you walk in a covenantal relationship with him? And if so, he want to do in you what is he speaking to your heart about would you take a moment just to bow your heads with me where are you at with God is it just a casual thing is it just a contractual thing or is it a covenant If you're here this morning and you say, you know what? Uh, (laughs) I've been doing the contractual thing. I'm here because I feel like I have to, to earn some points. But I want to go deeper. I want to be in this for the long haul. If that's you, would you just take a moment to raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Maybe this is a casual thing. I've heard of Jesus, but I don't trust him with my life. But this morning, I want to begin to trust him with everything. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now? Okay. If you're here this morning, and you're in a relationship, that needs to be broken, and you need the courage to break it. If that's you. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. If you're here this morning and you're in a marriage, have some things that need to be healed, some hurts and some wounds, maybe there's some sin that you need God to forgive you from, if that's you, would you just raise your hand? Thank you, thank you, thank you. those of you that raise your hand, would you just, just at this moment, between you and God, just say, God, please forgive me. Please heal me. Overcome these wounds that are so present. Lord Jesus, help me in a covenantal relationship with my spouse help me to be an example of humility sacrifice and love help me to have the courage to to submit when I want Lord Jesus, I pray for all of us this morning. Help us to take you seriously. Help us not to be flippant with our relationship with you. Give us the courage and the strength to be faithful. you're always faithful, that you love us deeply, have your way in us and through us, in your holy name we pray, and everybody said, amen. (coughs) Would you stand, please?